0: Can you hear me now? We got any house sound there? Uh, We're working on it. I can hear it fine up here. Well, let... Y'all stand up and greet one another in the name of the Lord. to be back uh, in God's house doing what you love to do. So uh, thank, uh, thank Greg for uh, uh, doing that the last few weeks, and I just, uh, I know that I'm not the only one here that can do this, so thank you for persevering with me. My knee is doing well, and continues to improve, so well, we're going to be fine. We're going to sing hymn number 340. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. finish tonight with how firm a foundation. You saints of the Lord. Lord, that you promised that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that you blessed us and you walk with us moment by moment and breath by breath. God, I just thank you for this time together tonight. I thank you for each one that's here. I pray, Lord, your blessing on us as we worship. I pray, God, that you'd be with Pastor Scott and that you would uh, give him the words, Lord, that we need to hear. Help him, Lord, and, and just guide him and direct him in all that he says and does. And just hide him uh, behind the cross, Lord, that we might see Jesus. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Well, good evening. Turn with me to your Genesis chapter 48. Genesis 48. I hope you're enjoying reading through the, the Word of God and uh, doing this together and then coming back and being able to talk about it and delve into it some more and uh, several opportunities during a week to study God's Word together as a church. I love this, this kind of study. It's, uh, it's good to me. It, it, it holds me accountable. It uh, holds me to uh, walking through the Word of God. We all need accountability in our life. We need some structure in our life. And it's really good when we can do that together. Um, I, I, there's a survey online, and I want to I want to draw your attention. I was supposed to do that twice this morning, and my young feeble mind failed to do that. But there is a there is a web, uh, on our website <clears throat> on our homepage. There is a link to a survey. It says survey. It's pretty easy. And it's just a few questions. And if you'll go online and you'll do that survey, you would bless me as your pastor. If you just take a, a just a few minutes. It won't take you long at all. It's very simple to do. And if you say well, I don't go I don't do online, I understand that. I'll help you. I'll get you a piece of paper and let you answer it on paper. It's okay. We can do that too. We'll log it in for you. We we just have not gotten enough survey results to really formulate something. It would be very special to us at the end of the year to be able to look at where we started and then at the end of the year. Now, if you're not going to stay for the year, I understand don't fill the survey out. But if you're planning on staying around till Jesus comes back or, or something along those lines, I'd appreciate if you'd fill that survey out. And I'll do a better job next week putting that out. I'm, in fact, I'm going to get Mike to put it on Watchmen for those of you who have Watchmen a link so you can go do it. But I'd like to get that survey filled out It'd give us some real good information. And it's just, it's anonymous. It's just a simple survey. I'd even say to our TV viewers, they could go and do it as well. It just finds out, kind of gauges a little bit about, are you going to do this? What's, what's your uh, rhythm to doing this? And, and how, how have you read the Bible? And what do you, what do you think you know? And it's just, it's just a very simple little couple questions, and, and it's not going to be complex at all. You won't be threatened, I promise you. So it'll be very, very easy to do. Genesis chapter 48, we wind up Genesis, and we did this last week when we read, and I just, I really love the story of Joseph. I I love how uh, a man was just uh, set aside by his his brothers and and thought very little of, uh, went to the pits of life, experienced the the great, uh, I mean, just hard times of life. He, He... I don't know of a man other than Job that had it rougher for this extent of time. He really had a difficult time in his life, but he kept his eyes focused on Jesus. That meant so much to me this morning and so much to me this week as I read and studied that he had truth, that God gave him a truth, and he held on to that truth. And when God gives us truth, we can hold on to that truth, and it will carry us through. It's when we forget that truth, we let that truth distance itself from us, that we begin to lose the foundation, lose our moorings, and we we begin to drift from where God's called us. And nobody wants to be found drifting. We want to be found right in the center of God's will. So I, I love Joseph and what he reminds me of as I read his life story, see his faithfulness, his consistency, his spiritual direction, and understand his life. We come to the end of Joseph uh, the story of, of in Genesis, and we see where where Jacob Israel is 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 fixing to die, and, and in chapter forty eight we see where he brings his sons. Joseph brings his sons, two sons, to Jacob, and and I want to read that and walk through a little bit of that tonight. And I I don't, I don't know if you if you didn't do it this week, if you missed it, I, I'd, I'd love for you to go back and read the blessing of Israel. How Jacob blessed his sons and and read each one of them. It tells so much about the character of that son and and the future of that son. So I'd love for you to just, just, it's good just to think through and then look at the tribes of Israel into the future. So we see in chapter 48, if you would join me uh, by standing and let's read God's word together. Uh, Chapter 48, let's begin in verse 1. Now it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. When it was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel collected his strength and sat up in the bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you... Fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a company of peoples, and I will give you this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. Now, your two sons, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are mine. But your offspring that you have that have been born after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the names of their brothers in their inheritance. Now as for me, when I came from Penan, Rachel died to the to the, my sorrow in the land of Canaan in the journey. When there was when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who's are these? Who are these? Joseph said to his father, They are my sons whom God has given me here. So he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were so dim from age that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them close to him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knees and bowed with his face to the ground. Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand towards Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right. And he brought them close to him, but Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, and his, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. He blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless thee, lads. And may my name live on in them And the names of my father Abraham and Isaac. And may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for how it speaks to our hearts. Lord, as we delve into your word tonight and and search through these texts to speak into our lives, God, I pray that you will do just that. Lord, minister to us, speak to us, and guide us by your word. Knowing, Father, that when we turn... our ears and our hearts to your word. You do a work in our life. So, Father, we, we surrender our life before you tonight and ask you, God, to work as only you can through your text into our lives. Lord, thank you again for appointing another time that we can come together. I pray, Father, for your anointing to preach your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's a couple things I want to share with you about this text. First of all, it's a pretty good build-up. We see that, that Joseph uh, was coming to his father. His father was nearing death. He was old. He, could, he couldn't see. Um, he was near, near blind anyhow. So he, w- he was nearing the end of his, his journey here on earth. And uh, Israel knew that. But he, he mustered up some strength when he heard Joseph was coming. He, you know, how, how many years had he lived with uh, experiencing... The fact that Joseph was dead, at least as far as he knew, he he was experiencing the grief of losing a son. And and then he, he was able to see him in Egypt. And I can't imagine the joy that came when he was like, oh my, you've been alive this whole time. And, and the, the catch-up moment and, and the time they spent together. And then the fact that he got to see his sons. I, I never thought I'd see your face, much less now I get to see, by the blessing of God, your sons. So he, he brings... Um, Manasseh and Ephraim in before him. And, and notice the word order, Manasseh and then Ephraim. When he's talked about in Scripture, they always call out the oldest first. So Manasseh is the oldest. But then when we see Jacob, Israel, talk about the two sons, he puts Ephraim first and then Manasseh. So we see there's a, there's a change in the order. And, and we see that the younger is elevated over the older. And we also see something here really, really unique. Jacob looks upon the two sons of Joseph, and he, he holds them so high. He holds them above the sons, two of his own sons. He says, you know, these sons will be in my inheritance. They'll be mine. They're, they're my sons. The sons you have after can be yours, but these are my sons. And he counts them in his own as his own as his sons. And to Joseph, he Joseph gets a, a greater blessing in the inheritance and and Ephraim and Manasseh are, are called out and blessed by Jacob. The, the blessing means something. We saw that when, and when Isaac blessed Esau, or, or blessed Jacob instead of Esau, Jacob being the younger, and, and Esau uh, lost his blessing from his father. And we see that. But we know that, that God had told uh, Rebekah that I will show you in time, but there's two nations at war inside of your womb. The younger will be served by the older, and that was out of order from the cultural experience. But God had set aside Jacob. God had set aside these boys of of Joseph to be uh, to be men of integrity, men who would lead, men who who God would use in times to come. So we see they're they're both brought before um, before Jacob and 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 oh you got to give it to Joseph now. He's doing his best. Uh, his dad's already called out the names in reverse order. And he's like, well, he's just getting old, you know. He's got it mixed up. But Manasseh and Ephraim. So he, he takes them in the, the hand of himself and positions them accordingly so that when you would just think that Jacob would just go, boom, you know, two heads. I got them. And he would bless. He couldn't see. His eyesight was strained because of his age. But he knew enough by the direction of God to go, boom, <laughs> and, and reach across. And, and when Joseph saw it, he said, no, 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 Dad, you've got this all wrong. No, I've got it all right. God, God has made the selection. God was doing the work. And uh, Jacob, being a man of God, Israel knew to follow the lead of God. And, and it's just evident to see how God works through his life. So we see these things occurring And we see the blessing coming. And I I just want to focus our time tonight, what time we have, on this verse 15, verse 16, being the key of our time together. The blessing is being pronounced. He says in verse 15, He blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. I want you to see the spiritual heritage that that, uh, Jacob had. And, and that he passed on in this blessing. There's a there's a spiritual heritage here, where uh, here we see Jacob recognizes that there was some value in the way his father and his grandfather walked. He, fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. The sins of the father follow for generations, but so do the blessing. So do the those that are surrendered and the the blessing of a being in the household of a man and a woman who are are. Falling hard after God, you can see it come through their children, and we see here that Jacob, Israel, is is, is recognizing that he, he's he's blessed because the God before whom he's calling on God. He doesn't say he could have just said bless. Uh, he he blessed Joseph and said, um, if you read the God bless these lads. That'd be the. The first part of verse 15 and the last part of verse 16. He could have said, God, bless these lads. And then gone into the blessing. But he lays some foundational work that I don't want us to miss as as we're learning more about God and learning more about serving God and and living for God. He says, God, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. And, And we see that Abraham lived a life that was, he wasn't a perfect man, neither was Isaac, neither was Jacob, neither was Joseph, I mean, you name any man in the Bible other than Jesus and you'll find imperfections in their life. So we see the imperfections of them, but we also see that when we look at their life, we look at the, the direction of their life, the, the movement of their life, we see that these men were very focused on living for the Lord. And we see fruit of that. We see where they, they set aside culture, they set aside the influence of the world around them, and they took on the personal relationship with God. And, and they walked faithfully to God. And every single person has a choice to make in our life whether we're going to allow the influence of a personal God in our life or whether we're going to allow the world to influence us. It's, it's simply our choice. So we see here that he says, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. They walked with God. These men walked with God. I I want to say something here. In, In your life and my life, we're either walking with God or we're walking away from God. There's no in-between. There's no middle road. We don't have a gray area here. We don't have casually kind of walking with God. They're either walking with God or they're not. And and Jacob looked back over Abraham and Isaac's life and he says, Man, my granddaddy and my daddy walked with the Lord. They, they were men who walked with God. There was evidence in their life. There's proof in their life that these men made a decision to walk with God and they walk with God and, and you and I have to make that kind of decision whether we 're going to walk with God or whether we 're not going to walk with god and there's there's no flirting with that i 'm either when, when i 'm walking down the street i 'm either walking with my wife or i 'm not walking with my wife i mean there's no there's no well, I, Maybe he's walking with his wife. No, it's very obvious. If I'm walking with my wife, I've got her hand in mine, or we're shoulder to shoulder, we're talking, we're in a, we're in a conversation, we're, we're going in the same direction, we've got the, the same ideals, we've got the same focus, we're, we're together. And, and that's the way it is in our relationship with God. Either we're walking with God, or we're walking away from God. And I want you to walk with God. God wants you to walk with Him. It's, it's not just the shepherd in me, the pastor in me, wants to see people walk with God, is that God wants you to walk with Him. And I know there's fruitful benefit from walking with God. When we walk with God, we experience the blessing of God. I want to be so close to Him I can feel Him. I I want you to walk with God in a way that you know He's there. And and, and in a relationship, you can count on Him and and you're walking with Him. So we see that Abraham and and Isaac and, and Jacob, too, walked with God. You know, when Isaac when Abraham carried Isaac on the mountain, chapter 22 of Genesis. Oh, you know. You know that Abraham was walking with God. Any, any, any other situation, any, any person not walking with God would not have carried a, a three-day journey, carried the wood, split the wood, laid it on his son's back, climbed the mountain and built an altar unless you're walking with God. He heard from God. He did what God told him to do, and he walked with God. There's many illustrations that we can look at Jacob's life, that we can look at Isaac's life, that we can look at, at uh, Abraham's life as we think back and we look over the text. We can see where these men walked with God. So there, there was that walk. That, that walk means so much in our life. It matters how we walk. The way we walk doesn't just... Uh, dictate our, our the destination but it does in our we have a journey and as we're walking in life we are we're pointing towards something there's a there's a destination and, and I'm walking in such a way and I pray that you're walking in such a way that your life is growing closer to God every day and as you walk in that direction uh, you end up you just do you, you end up closer to God now, there's going to be some tough times. We talked about that this morning. But as we walk in that direction, the direction we walk matters. And it doesn't just matter for us, it matters for others. You know, if I talked one thing but walked another thing, how well would you follow? You know, there's a lot of talk out there. A lot of people talk it, and they'll talk what it, they'll say things that sound great. But then when you look at their life, you know, your, your parents, your, your children, your whoever, grandchildren, I don't know what age and stage of life, everybody's in a different one, but when other people who know you well and they see you when the doors are closed, what do they see about you? That's what matters. That, that if, if you're truly walking for God, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're going to get every situation right in life. It doesn't. But it means that the trajectory of your life, the walk that you're on, evidence, evidence is Christ, is alive and well in your life and you're walking with Him. And, And our walk should produce fruit. And the fruit that we produce should be in keeping with the kind of Christ. Scripture tells us that. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, I'll abide in you. Now, if we're abiding in Him, that means that that we are connected to Him. And and we have a a life source from Him. The branch is alive because of the vine. Without the vine, the branch can't exist. So if if we're walking with God and and we're walking in Christ, then, then we're journeying in a way that not only am I going to benefit because there's going to be fruit come out of me, but others are going to benefit from that fruit. You know, a vine's never produced much without the branch. When you get a branch on there, you can get a cluster or you can get some fruit. So there, there, there's got to be fruit in our life. And God's called us in our walk to walk in such a way that, that every day, every day we walk in such a manner. We, we don't say, well, you know, today I just don't feel like being a Christian. Today, today I just don't feel, like, I don't feel like walking with Jesus. No. Every day we walk with Jesus. And every day when we do walk with Jesus, we get closer to him. We, we know him better. He's, he's nearer than a friend. And as we walk with him, the influence touches other people's lives. I mean, we should walk and, and, and our works that, that we have in our life should be works that overflow from our walk with Jesus. And it affects other people in a positive way. Now, does that mean you're going to get it right every time? No. I, I, I say that often because I don't want you to feel like you're just disregarded and you're done if you, if you mess up. You know, it, it's when we mess up, who do we turn to? We turn to Jesus. And we let Him change and transform us. I, I don't want to keep messing up the same way, though. I want to, if, if I'm doing that, I want to walk with some people that will help me. I want to get some encouragement around my life. So the walk really matters. It, it matters so greatly. So in that verse we see the God, this is the God he's calling out to, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. Then he says, the God who has been, he makes it very personal, my shepherd all my life to this day. He says, man, every day I've lived, I've lived with a shepherd. And God's my shepherd. He is the good shepherd. I, I want the shepherd in my life. Everybody needs a shepherd. I'm, I'm learning a lot about shepherding. i got, got cattle on the farm. And I'm telling you those things, sometimes they just do everything just right. And then sometimes they do everything just wrong. Steve, can I get a witness? This morning I got up. I had my suit on. I was coming to work. I was ready. I was going to be on time something told me as I drove out the driveway, you need to turn right just for a minute and just check over the herd. So I, I ride by. Me and Steve were looking at the place yesterday, looking at a little alleyway. I'm feeding some hay. And he said, boy, that's awfully wet right there. You need to get them cows out of there. And I knew I did. And I said, well, Monday will come, and I'll get it done, okay? Well, the shepherd in me put something off. Well, you know, every now and then you just have a cow that's not, not the brightest, not the sharpest tool in the shed, Okay? And and lo and behold, she had a baby right in the thickest mud pit in the whole place. And I looked down and I got my good shoes on and my suit. I said, Boy, this ain't going to work. So I ran back to the house and I grabbed, I just threw some clothes on over what I had coveralls and threw on a jacket and put on my mud boots. And I went out there and I wallowed down to the mud, grabbed a hold of that calf because the only thing you could see on the calf was two black ears and two eyeballs. Everything else was under the mud. I mean, just nothing there. I was like, boy, this thing, I mean, she wouldn't have lasted, he wouldn't have lasted. I don't know what it was. I didn't take time to find out, but that calf wouldn't have made it a few more minutes. I mean, she had just had it, but it was over with. It was on the end of its life. I scooped that thing up, got it in my arms, and I hassled and I hustled. And as soon as I took off, I walked slam out of my boots. And I went knee deep. Suit and all, Amen. Right up underneath those coveralls went mud. <laughs> I got that calf up, put it in another pasture with its mama, and, and today it was doing better. But I, I'm called to be a shepherd in in that regard. There's so many principles that I see. I find myself in the mud and the mire at times. And I'm grateful to God I got a shepherd that'll walk alongside of me. It was a it was a visual illustration. I was sitting there, I was like. I wonder if God looks down on me at times and says, You are the silliest, dumbest thing I've ever seen. I'm going to get dirty again. You know, it reached out and reach down and help me out. But, uh, we, we, you know, God is a shepherd, and, and Jacob knew that. These boys understood shepherding, okay? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Job, they were shepherds. They understood what it was like to, to have a flock that didn't always act like the flock should act. They they had to work with the flock. They had to go behind the flock and and help the flock and feed the flock and lead the flock and protect the flock and provide for the flock. They were engaged with the flock. A shepherd should smell like his sheep and touch the animals that he cares for. And, And Jacob understood that. So when he, when, he read, when he speaks this, he says, God, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. There, <clears throat> there's not been a moment that's gone by in his life. He said, I have never been apart from the watch care of God. God is a good shepherd. He's a consistent shepherd. He has is, he is invested in me. He values me. He, he pours into me. He provides for me. He leads me. He does all these things, and without Him, I, I would never make it. That's what, that's what Jacob's saying. I wouldn't be where I am today if it were not for the shepherd who has walked with me every day of my life. And we need a shepherd to walk with us every day of our life. We need somebody to come along and care for us. And there's only one person that can truly shepherd us. That is the person of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Father is watching over us, willing to provide for us. Willing, He's provided the greatest that any of us could ever experience. He provided salvation for us. He has done a work for us we couldn't even do for ourselves. Not only has He provided in that way, He's protected us. He, he brings the Holy Spirit into our life as a guide for us to lead us and to direct us in our life. And, and if we listen to the Spirit... We'll find ourselves navigating life in a way that we're we're protected we're we're moving in the right direction we we're in the good field we're we're in with the good shepherd our our lives are being protected and provided for and, and Jacob understood that Joseph understood that these these boys understood what it was like to be shepherded because they were shepherds that when when uh Joseph brought his whole family and Israel came down, he told him he said tell, tell pharaoh that that you're shepherds and they'll give you the best of the land. And he wound up in Goshen, the best of the land, the best place there could ever be. He landed and was provided for. What an amazing reality. God God takes care of us. He's a good shepherd. I, I want to ask you a question here. Have you seen the presence of God in your life, a shepherd. I mean, have you seen the shepherd at work in your life where he has shepherded you? Have you seen the provision of God where the shepherd is provided for you? And Jacob understood. He said, man, God is a God of provision. God is a God of protection. God has, has, has taken care of me. He's provided for me. And, and he'll do the same thing for these boys. He He wanted Manasseh and Ephraim to have that that understanding that this is the God that I'm calling. I'm not calling on, a, on an empty God, a false God of this world. I'm calling on a God who will presently walk with you, who my fathers walked with and journeyed with. And, and this is the God that will make a difference in your life. He'll never let you go and be destroyed. He'll always filter everything through His hands. He's a great provider and He's a great protector. So we see that in him. I just I have to ask myself to to sit back and think of the times. You know, when 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 was the most recent time in my life that I know God was providing for me? And just dwell on that for a few minutes and, and, and write that down and, and, and journal about that. God, God, I I see where you did these things. This is what I've seen you do. This is where I've seen you provide for me. You, you've been such a provider in my life. God, I see where you protected me. I, I see where that was that hedge. My wife and I, we pray together every night before we go to bed. I pray with my kids most every night. I, I pray with Sam and Laura Grace. Uh, Taylor, she's, she's grown now. Sometimes she doesn't get home before I go to bed, so I don't pray for her. I, I mean, I pray for her, but not with her. I'm praying. We're a little farther apart, but I'm praying for her. But one of the things that we pray for our kids, and one of the things that Chris and I pray together, is for a hedge of protection. I ask God to protect us, to place his hedge around the house. Put his hedge around my life. I would rather have the Father's protection than anything else that I can think of. I want the protection of God. I, I don't I don't want to because if I don't have the protection, I'm liable to walk off a cliff. Okay. I'm liable to go into a danger zone. But if I've got the hedge of protection around me, and I've got God nestling me in and leading me. That's exactly what I want. I want, I want to be right there in, in God's spot where he's so close that he's, he's got a hedge around me. He's protecting me. You know, I, I traveled for years back and forth to seminary. And you may not understand this. I, I don't know. It's a, in, in South Georgia, there, there were a lot of animals on the roads at night. I can remember traveling to my grandmother's from where we lived on the eastern side of the state all the way across to the western side of the state. We would travel about three hours. And in that journey, I can remember most of the time my dad would have to work and we would leave after work. So it would be a later arrival at my grandparents' house. And in that journey, I can remember many times, especially through certain areas, I would be very very attuned to what was going on outside the vehicle because I liked to see deer. So I would count how many I could see going over there. And I remember counting deer, 40s, 50s, going just deer after deer after deer. And, and especially in certain, you get in, I'm telling you, you don't see this much around here. I don't. But you'd get on some of those long, straight roads, which we don't have straight roads here. But you get on long, straight roads And they'd be flat, and you could see for miles. And and you'd be driving a long ways through these dark, and no houses. I mean, you may drive a couple miles or even further than that. And the only thing you pass maybe is one farm here, and then a couple miles, another farm, and then a couple miles, another farm. It was very remote and rural, okay? And the wildlife was just abundant. I remember passing, they'd run out in front of the cars, and we'd hit the brakes, and, you know, just, that was traveling through South Georgia. Well, somebody told me about praying a hedge of protection when I travel, and, and I, trust, I trust that God wants us to pray. I trust that God wants to protect us. I trust that he is the great shepherd. So what I did was I, I began to pray. As I went to seminary for four years, I traveled those same roads in the deep darks of night. Most of the time, I'd leave at 4 o'clock in the morning on Monday morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, sometimes 3 o'clock in the morning, depending on how early my class was. And I'd go all the way to Albany, Georgia, and I'd, I'd go to class, and I'd go to class all day long, and I'd leave about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, sometimes 8 o'clock at night. I never left early. I was, it was an all-day event for me. For four years I did that. And I'd get in the vehicle, and you're talking about a long day. You leave at 4 o'clock in the morning. You drive to seminary. You sit in class all day long, and then you drive three, four, four hours back home that night and get home at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. You're a tired puppy dog. Come on. You know what I'm saying? You need God's hedge of protection just to stay on the road. So I, I, I'm traveling these roads, and I'm, I'm going back and forth through these woods, and I'm like, Lord, I pray you put a hedge of protection around me. You clear all them deer before me. If not, I'm going to collect a bunch of them in my grill before this is over with. It's just going to happen. And I, I really don't want to pay the insurance, okay? So I asked God to protect me and open up the path before me. Can I tell you this? I drove for four years on those same roads. And you would think that all the deer in Georgia had died because I never saw a deer on the road for four years. Now I saw some way off in a field, but I never saw a deer cross the road. I never saw a deer on the road. Now you can say, Scott, it's just coincidence. I mean I did that for four years, okay? <laughs> I did that twenty times at least a year. So that's that's eighty times. Is that my math right? Okay, I just want to make sure my math was right from my mathematician. Eighty times. And I didn't I didn't travel with my mom and dad. Mom can tell you I didn't travel that many times with them. And my grandmother's county accountant every time I went. So I just see the the work of God and 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 Jay, and that's just a little instance for me, but I saw God working in that. I, I saw that God assured me that you know when he when I pray he hears. I, I got to tell you this, I forgot to pray the hedge of protection one time and I left out of Albany, Georgia, and I got on the back roads of three hundred and I was coming back way it's big roads it as four-lane right through that section, I forgot to pray that night. I just got in the truck. I was tired and just blasted, you know, and I hit a wheelbarrow. <laughs> I just hit the handle. It was just sticking out in the road. I never saw the black wheelbarrow with a brown hand. I didn't know what I hit. I turned around and I didn't know if I hit somebody. I didn't know what I hit. You know, I turned around, but I did hit that. I immediately remembered that I needed to pray a hedge of protection. That, that just came back. I remember that. that. That's the only thing I hit, though, in four years of traveling. But, but in reality, Jacob understood That he was a shepherd. Jacob understood that God was a shepherd to his people. And that Jacob had shepherded the people. And Abraham had shepherded the people. And Isaac had shepherded the people. And Joseph would shepherd the people. He knew that. But he knew that God was the chief shepherd. God was the good shepherd. He was the under-shepherd. Jacob said he understood he was the under-shepherd of God. So we, we see that reality. We see the... The nature of God in the shepherding aspect in this in this blessing. God, who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. Verse 16 says, The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. So here, not only do we see the spiritual heritage of the patriarchs and the shepherding nature of God, but we see the saving nature of God. Now, if we turn back to chapter 28 of of Genesis, we see there what may be titled in your Bible as um, the the Jacob's ladder. So, um, Jacob's dream, verse 10. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head. And lay down in that place. Them boys were a lot better than us. I mean, come, on. they were stronger than me and you. None of us are going to sleep on a rock. These boys didn't have much in life. He had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham. And the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you, until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. For he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Jacob recognized God's presence. Jacob understood the, the saving nature of God. Jacob understood later in life that you know what I was walking in, in, on my own journey and <clears throat> excuse me, I was walking on my own journey and I recognized in that moment through the angels of God descending and God speaking that covenant promise that he had spoken before. He reiterated that covenant, passed it to me. I recognized that God saved me right then and there. God redirected me. I was no longer on my journey. He was going to bring me back to this place. I was part of the covenant. My seed would be a blessing to all the land. And all of those that were descendants of me would be a blessing to all the land. And and we see that. We see that he recognized that God used him, used angels. But God used angels in him to bring salvation and the recognition of God. And he prayed. He prayed this. To his boys that stood before him. See, see, Jacob, knowing that God would save, that God was a saving God, we see there, he says, The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. God redeems. We have a redeeming God. And the, the angels were used in that, that dream of Jacob to come to a recognition that, that he was called by God, that there was a, a blessing of God on his life, that, that there was a, a reality that he must pay attention to because this covenant promise was being passed to him. And now a, uh, Jacob is, is, is standing with Joseph and or sitting on the bed or however he's but he's with Joseph and he's with Ephraim and he's with Manasseh and he, he's, he's blessing them. And he's given this blessing to their life. And they would take that blessing and they would transfer it to the generations. Jacob recognized the spiritual heritage that was behind him. But he also recognized that he was instilling a spiritual heritage into the future. He was doing something that in this blessing he was setting forth a blessing. He was setting the tone for these young men in their life. And he also understood the shepherding nature of God. He, he knew the God that had shepherded him to this point in his life. And he knew these young men needed to understand that God was a shepherd and God would carry them. And he also understood the saving nature of God. And these young men needed to understand the saving nature of God. The one that would direct their life, save them and redeem them from all evil. God's still doing that today. He is still... There's still a spiritual heritage We see it in the word We see it in the lives around us There's still the shepherding nature of God In our world present today God's still shepherding His people God's still leading His people God's still bringing forth His purpose His plan God's still doing a work And God is still redeeming and saving people today And all people have to do Is recognize that they need God in their life Turn to the Lord And He'll bless them He'll lead them. He'll shepherd them. And He'll save them. There are lost people in this world, ladies and gentlemen. You know people who don't have a right relationship with God. There are people who have they, they blazed their own trail. They've, they don't look to God to shepherd them. They look to themselves for everything. There are people who don't know about the redeeming work of God. How will they know unless we go? Romans tells us that. And we may, because it says how beautiful are the feet of the one who proclaims the gospel, it says how beautiful are the feet of the preacher. We may think the preacher is supposed to do that. But all of us are called to be ministers of the gospel. And we have the ministry of reconciliation as our task. Reconciling those that don't know God to the God who who wants to redeem them. It's our call. It's our call to carry forth the gospel. Jesus didn't say when he said, go therefore. He didn't say that. Oh, just, for the, just for the elite, just for the preachers, I want you to hear this. He didn't say, listen up, preachers. He said that to the people. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Where do we go? to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You're called to carry the message. You've been tasked with an amazing responsibility. If you don't know, if you don't have a spiritual heritage, if you're not walking with Jesus, and you've never experienced the shepherding nature of Christ, and you've never experienced redemption in God, chances are you'll never share a thing. But if you've experienced... The salvation and the redemption of God. And you've experienced the, the nurturing and shepherding of God in your own life. Why wouldn't you tell somebody about that? Jacob used that as the foundation of his blessing on two boys that would carry forth and do great things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. Thank you for the blessing of your word. Being able to read it and walk through it tonight. Lord, you you are a redeeming God. And Lord, it may be that everybody in this room tonight has been redeemed by you and knows you. God, we all know people that don't. You're a shepherding God. You're kind and compassionate and caring and loving. Your character has proven itself over and over. Lord, help us to... Walk in such a way, just like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, they walked with you. Help us to walk with you in the knowledge of these things in such a way that it impacts those that are around us in a real way. Lord, as we walk out of here tonight, let us walk for you this week. Lord, as we read your word this week and study the truths of Scripture, and we look into another part of your word, Lord, minister to us, bring conviction where conviction needs to be confession when we need to confess something correction but also bring comfort as we read your word lead us to understand more about you as we study diligently this week in Jesus name we pray all God's people said amen God bless you I hope you have an awesome night and a great week and we'll uh, we'll be back together Wednesday night in various rooms and studies, and you're welcome. If you don't come on Wednesday night, let me invite you to come back and join.